commend all of our young people that came and played instruments this morning, folks, because they were here at about 7.30, 7.45 this morning. And, and uh, so uh, if you guys need to go get some sleep, oh, they've already gone. So we're glad they were here. Amen. Miss Jackson Kettler, and we appreciate him sharing that song, the beautiful hymn, Christ Alone. I want to begin this morning because we have so many needs in our nation. Uh, California is burning, as you know. Uh, my roommate, my best man from California, lives in Ithaca, and I had a fire close to him, and I called him this week, and I said, Gary, how close was the fire? And he says, well, I have ash in my driveway. And I said, well, are you okay? And he said, I am right now. We'll see. Folks, there's a lot of people out there that have lost their homes. The Givens family left their home on July the 25th. They got to go back this last week. There's nothing left. It's completely gone. You stop and think about that for a moment. If you have to leave your home in a hurry because of a fire and you went back and there's nothing left, how could you manage that? There have been firefighters and first responders and police National Guard, there's been all kinds of people that have tried to respond both to the fires and the east of flooding. And, you know, I've told God, can't you let us have a little bit of the rain from the east? Uh, you know, we could use some down here and, and so forth. But I want us to, to pray this morning before I preach my sermon for uh, our nation because of all of the heartache and all of the tragedy and the upheaval that's going on. And then there are other people on the prayer list. Uh, one of our longtime firefighters and was the head of our volunteer fire department for many years, Rocky Rummel, is a dear friend of mine. And this last week, uh, he suffered another stroke. He asked me if I'd be a service if he didn't make it. Well, there's a fire truck parked down here. Y'all need to realize he's still alive. It says in honor of. It doesn't say in memory of. He's still struggling. And he is on his last stages of life. There's no doubt about that. He's in hospice care. But I want us to pray for him and Dorothy Combs and Wanda Gordon. We have a number of people in our church family that are on hospice. And my good friend Herb Lambert, longtime Lutheran pastor, and uh, he's wrestling with stage four stomach cancer. And uh, he, he needs our prayers. And so I want us to bow together in prayer as we begin. Father, it's never easy for us to look around our nation and see all the turmoil all the heartache, all the tragedy that for different reasons, whether it's fires or floods or tornadoes or, or accidents or, or upheaval or conflict, Lord, and certainly we pray for those that are right here in our own community that are struggling in their health. We pray for their well-being, that your peace that passes all understanding would come over them and come over us. And Father, for all of our students that are about to start back to school, where they're going to uh, local school or going off to college somewhere, or where they're going into the military uh, to serve our nation, Father. And for those first responders and those firefighters and, and uh, EMS people and, and hospitals that respond uh, to large-scale kinds of uh, tragedy and stuff, Father, we pray for them and their well-being and give them clarity of mind and help keep them safe as they seek to do their jobs. Pray for our police officers everywhere to use wisdom and discretion and keep them safe and their families. And Father, we pray for our teachers and our administrators in all of our schools and colleges that you'd help them to, to know your presence this day and be with our, our national leaders, Father. Help them to make good decisions based upon 
your guidance and your care. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I will share with you at the beginning that this last week has been kind of tough on me because uh, Kobe Cosper, I've known as a little boy, watched him grow up, baptized him. He's been a part of my life on my phone. It's hard to believe. Uh, he sent me pictures from Brazil just a week ago of a mission trip that he was on. He's been out at Spring Creek leading the music out there and helping helping out there to make a hand. And uh, he's the same age as our son Joel. They graduated together. So when I was conversing with his father, about his accident and about the possibility of him not making it, it's real close to home. And that's the hardest thing about being a pastor. It's when you see children grow up and they never get to complete their life that we would expect. And so I come to you this morning with a, with a heart that's full of compassion and God's comfort, but also a heart that's grieving. Rocky, I eat breakfast with once a week, nearly every week of the year. He's an old friend of mine. And because I know many of you will not be at his funeral when his funeral occurs, I want to share one thing that he's done for me for the last eight to ten years. Every Thanksgiving, Rocky Ramos has cooked five to six turkeys that he smoked, paid for himself, prepared for him, and had them for me to deliver to families in need. He's one of the most generous people I know. Some of you say, well, I left my lawnmower down there, and he's had it for a year, and it hadn't been fixed. Well, that's true. You know, we, we joke with him that it's Rocky's lawnmower storage, <laughs> not Rocky's lawnmower repair. And, and I say that because I need to be able to laugh and, and so forth and, and all, but he's one of the most generous people that I know. Uh, and, uh, you know, it grieves me to see that God's going to take him from us. But I don't want to see him suffer. And, you know, he's going to a place, just like Kobe did, that there is no more suffering, no more heartache, and no more tears. Now, in saying that, I have to laugh every now and then, or I, I wouldn't make it. Uh, I saw a lady, T-shirt in Waco the other day. It said, I ate cake because somewhere somebody is celebrating a birthday today. I like that, you know. I saw another T-shirt that said, I know abs are great, but have you tried the donuts? <laughs> you know, uh, and then the one I really like, it's got to be some teacher. has to be a teacher or at least a mother. My mind is like someone emptied the kitchen drawer on a trampoline. <laughs> now, y'all stop thinking about that. You ever have days where you feel like your mind is like somebody emptied a kitchen drawer on a trampoline? Yeah, I, I have those days. There's a passage of Scripture that's well known. I want you to turn to the fourth chapter of Philippians, if you would. Chapter 4, I know I've got 6 through 9 in the bulletin, but I want to begin reading with verse 4. Philippians 4th chapter, verse 4, I'm reading out of the NIV. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Here's the main focus verse. Do not be anxious about anything. 
but in everything by prayer and petition. Some of your translations say supplication. That's a humble attitude. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the payoff, the promise of the payoff, and the peace of God which transcends all our understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, Paul says, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Do any of you ever worry? Any of you ever have any concerns or anxieties? Now, I'm going to share with you. There'll be some children that get out of the car and they'll pick up their backpack and they'll go into the school, new school. Now, what, what's going to happen is their mother, their mother is going to leave the car running because there's not enough parking down there for every mother that's going to do this. And she's going to walk in the room to make sure that that child gets to their room. And she's going to sit that child in their seat and if they have lockers, she'll help the child find her locker. And before long, the teacher, because I've seen this happen, the teacher will say, uh, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Smith, uh, Mrs. Johnson, could y'all please leave? We need to get started for our school. And there's going to be separation anxiety. And probably not so much from the child as it is from the mother. She's going to go back to the car, and there's going to be tears, and she's going to worry that her child is not going to make it. Now, if you don't think that's true, let me tell you what else is going to happen. Older, young adults. Right over here. A few will go off to college. And a few will move into the dorm. And their parents there, even though they're saying, Mom, I got this. I can do this. They're going to get back in their car. And they're going to look back over their shoulder at that boy or girl whoever they're leaving on a college campus somewhere, and they have their own cars, I realize that, and they have their cell phones, they have all that stuff, and they're going to think, did I do a good enough job? Uh, how are they going to make it? Will anything happen to them? You see, I was interviewed when I dropped my daughter off several years ago. Well, it's been a long time now. <laughs> when she started to college, and I got hit by a TV interview. Sir, what is your greatest concern or your daughter. You know what my number one answer was? Her safety. You know why? Because college campuses can be intimidating places. All of a sudden, young people, their parents are worried about you. I'm just going to tell you, they're worried about you even now before you even get to college. Because they're worried that you're going to make a bad decision that's going to cost you dearly. The text says, do not be anxious about anything. You got that? Anything. Now, let me get closer to home for some of you that are here. Use the microphone because I can get closer to you. Some of you are having to make decisions about transition. When do I sell the house? When do I move into assisted living? When do I approach mom or dad about 
their care and about how we're going to deal with some things. You see, Mama doesn't remember where she put the car keys. And she turned to Dad, and he said, well, I didn't have them. I don't remember either. And they're in his pocket. You know, that does happen, so y'all know. And those are difficult transitions to make. How are we going to be in a position as the sandwich generation, that's what I call them, that have children still they're taking care of and older adults now that they're taking care of? How are we going to get mom and dad to give up driving? Or when can we approach them and say, you know, mom, have you considered? No, most of us won't even approach it. We'll, we'll avoid it. Well, I want to share something with you. The best thing you can do is pray about it. Okay? Now, I'm getting closer to this group here, right here. Some of you, how many of y'all are in driver's ed and fixing to get your driver's license? Raise your hand. Okay. Seth, you're the man. Right there, you're the man. Avery, you working on yours too? Notice these two young people. Avoid them at all costs. <laughs> no, just joking, just joking. Uh, uh, I will tell you, young people... Young people have a lot of pressure on them. They do. And when they get their driver's license, they have a lot more pressure on them. And the thing that's difficult is to maintain their positive impact that they have when there's so much pressure. If you've never seen a young person that has to ride with their parent for the first time in a, in a car, after they've got I want to share with you, parents' prayer life improves greatly. The text says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition or supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Can we do that? Are we doing that in our lives? Don't be anxious about anything. The RSV says, don't worry about anything. The New King James Version says, be anxious for nothing. The message says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. What are you and I worried about this morning? Stop and think. Some of you are saying, well, I don't worry. I never have any worries. I don't, I don't fret about anything. If, if that's the honest truth, you're free to go right now. You don't need the rest of the message. But see, that's not where most of us are. I like what the, the message says. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in Him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see the Master is about to arrive. Show up at any minute, so be ready. How do we make transitions, folks? How do we get to a point where we can say, God, take all that I am, Take all of my concerns, my anxieties, my worries, my fears, and use them for your glory in my life. Prayer really does help, even though you may believe God's not answering your prayers. Tennyson said it like this, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of, and I'll tell you, he was dead on. I am where I am because of prayer, folks. I've stayed as long as I have because of prayer. Philippians 4.13 also says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me or gives me strength. 
4.19 says, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There are all kinds of other scriptures to help us when we face transition, when we face change, when we go through difficulty. God is our refuge and strength in time of trouble, Psalm 46.1. I can quote you lots of scriptures, but I want to share with you the hardest thing to do is not quoting the scriptures. The hardest thing to do is living those scriptures out. Did you hear me? The hardest thing is really trusting God. You see, because most of here, we like to control our lives. Some of you parents, you want to control your children's life all the way up. I've seen parents try to control their children's lives when their children are 35 and 40 and 45 and 50. Y'all may not think that's true, but I'm telling you it's the truth. Some of us are control freaks. We're not happy unless we're, we're turning all the dials and pulling all the strings and making sure we've got control of everything. If you don't think I'm telling the truth, you take somebody that will not let anybody else drive and put them in the passenger seat or the back seat and see if they can sit there and not say a word while somebody else is driving. Am I getting close? You see, there are a host of other scriptures to help us. God is our refuge, and he is our strength. And he is a very present help in time of trouble. That is a true scripture, as true as it gets. And Jesus said in Matthew, I will be with you always. So no matter what happens in our life, the Lord is going to be with us always, even to the ends of the earth, is what the scripture says in Matthew 28. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your hand and says to you, Do not fear, for I will help you. You know, the result of praying and giving everything over to God, did you hear it? Did you get the payoff? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Dante's Canto, Paradiso 3, this line occurs. In his will is our peace. It's a true statement, folks. Dante wrote it, but it's a true statement. In his will, in God's will, is our peace. So whatever we're going through, whether it's wrestling with letting a child go to school or go off to college or into the military or losing a job or losing a home or dealing with stress in marriage or finances, whatever it is, in his will is our peace. You know, we live in a culture <laughs> that has very little peace. Did you know that? In fact, when I was visiting with my roommate and my best man about the fires in California, you know what he told me? He said, Jerry, I'm still in the Lord's hands. And then he said to me something very true. I know it to be true. He said, years ago there were always problems in our world the same as we have now. It's just that now we know about more of them, which is true. You cannot turn on a news media outlet without seeing some kind of problem around the world and quite frankly what would the news media report if there weren't conflicts and difficulties and problems and sometimes they whip it up into a frenzy sometimes there's a feeding frenzy and I'm not belittling anybody's problems folks don't get me wrong here but the news media guess what <coughs> they want to sell news so they hype it now 
I want to share something with you. It makes no difference to me which Hollywood starlet or which leading man is having problems in this world. I could care less about that. That's not a real, that's not a real story for me. See, a real story for me is to know that one of our young men, Kobe Cosper, died as a result of an accident and that his organs are being disseminated and were disseminated to save other people's lives. Now, that's, a, that's an important point for me. And the reason is because in the early service we have Ann Hollingsworth, which some of you know. Ann was on a transplant list for six years waiting for a kidney. And she finally got one, and she's still with us. And it's very personal for me because I buried a 40-year-old brother-in-law who was on a waiting list for two years and never got a kidney. And I buried a 45-year-old brother who was on a, a waiting list for over a year and never got a kidney. So I'm making a pitch right here for organ donation. So if, if you lose somebody and their organs are good, why not donate them so somebody else can live a longer life? Do not fear. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. Do not fret. Why? If you don't do that and you trust God, his peace will transcend all your understanding. His will, in his will is our peace. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says it like this. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. And his will is our peace. Isaiah 55, 12 says it like this. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. And the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of thorn bushes will grow pine trees. Instead of briars, myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign, which will not be destroyed. What was Jesus called in Isaiah's gospel? In the prophet Isaiah, he's called the Prince of Peace. And folks, I want to tell you, our world, our nation, we need peace. Because we have everything except that. Micah 4, 5, 4 and 5 says, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord his God, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely in peace, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. Now the last verse. 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, Paul says, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace, the God of peace will be with you. Folks, there's a lot of stuff in our world that's just plain out false. The scripture says, what's true? What's noble? What do you know that's worthwhile, that's worth sharing, that's noble? I want to tell you, I mentioned it earlier. Rocky Rummel cooks in five turkeys every year for the last eight or nine years at Thanksgiving for people that didn't have a turkey. That's noble. That's noble. Won't make headlines. Nobody knows about it but me, but now you do because I shared it with you. What's noble is Laverne Ballard 
being a nurse at the hospital. And Joyce McDowell told me she was one of my best nurses. Caring for people all those years. That's noble. What's noble is a teacher who's going to open up a new classroom in a new school and have all of these children that are coming in that can't find their way around and the parents with them in this new place that they're not familiar with and that teacher's going to show the love and the grace and the inspiration to inspire children that are a little bit afraid and parents that are greatly afraid trying to control every aspect. And I've got teachers scattered all over here. Is that not right, Meredith? Do you not have to tell them, could y'all please leave the room now? That's right. What's noble? I had Bennett Fields sitting right where Rusty is in early service. Bennett Fields has been coaching and teaching in our school for the last 30 plus years. And I want to tell you folks, you young people, he's one of the most noble people you'll ever have as a teacher. He knows his stuff, particularly biology. He knows it. And he's a good person. And he stayed here when he could have moved somewhere else 50 times over. Noble. It's noble that somebody goes every day and tends to their spouse in nursing care and feeds them and talks to them and loves them and prays for them even though that spouse, man or woman, doesn't know who they are because they have Alzheimer's. That's noble. Noble is seeing a parent or a grandparent sit down with a child and put them in their lap and open up a book and read to them. Noble. Noble is taking the time to play with a child while they're growing. We played hide and go seek yesterday. My, my wife had a birthday this week, folks. She's right over here. She didn't want everybody to know she had a birthday. We had a birthday party at our house yesterday afternoon. You know what we did out in the heat? We were in the shade mostly. We played hide and go seek. All ages. There was no age limits. You could be 90 years old. That's how old Brenda's mother is. She was out there for a little while. She didn't do very good on running to the base. <laughs> you know, we had to do a tag team with that. But, you know, we just played together. And you know what Brenda told me when our children and our grandchildren left and her mother went back home? She said, those will be the things that our children will remember and our grandchildren will remember. And I want to tell you, she's dead on. Those are the things that make us who we are. That we celebrate God every day. That we have the ability and the love and the joy that God pours out upon us. So that when that day comes when we're separated from those loved ones. And they've gone into glory. We can revel in how God blessed our life. And he will be our Father, thank you for these dear people that are here this morning. I pray for all the families that are here that you administer your love and grace to them and help each one of us to know how to live each day fully and to give our lives and our concerns and our worries and our anxieties over to you so that we can fully trust you with our lives and help us to know more about Jesus and then to be Jesus to others. In his name we pray, amen. Our hymn of invitation is hymn number 600, More About Jesus. Would you stand as we sing this? I'll be here at the front for decision. If you have a decision, you can write it down.